Welcome to Conversations Over Coffee, where we're brewing inspiring discussions on the Philippine startup ecosystem with those who are making things happen. I'm your host, Bitsantas from Kickstart Ventures. Join me in every episode as we sit down with key figures in the startup community as we explore their successes and challenges and how we can work together to shape the future. In the fast-paced and competitive startup landscape, attracting and retaining top talent is paramount to success. Startups rely on their people to drive innovation, execute business strategies, and fuel growth. Therefore, having a well-planned talent operations and recruitment strategy is essential. In this episode, we're joined by Jerome Zapata, our HR Director here at Kickstart Ventures, as he talks about talent operations and recruitment strategies for startups. Hello, everyone. We're back and I'm sitting here with our uh, Kickstart HR Director, Jerome. Hey, Jerome. Hi, Bit. Hi, Naman. Doing well. <laughs> cool. So maybe to start, can you, ta- can you tell us about your role in Kickstart? What are the main responsibilities and what do you typically do day to day? Well, admittedly, the role really changed through the years. Uh, Initially, I was doing a lot of uh, fixing policies, fixing processes, and then eventually, like my day to day was like hiring people, growing the team, and then now uh, we're trying to. We just launched it. We're trying to help the portfolio operations team, specifically the startups that we've invested in, to grow their teams and hire more strategically. We definitely appreciate the work that you do. So taking a step back, um, let's talk a bit about your career. So what led you to this area of specialization? Oh, that's actually a good question. Uh, What led me to HR is really two things. Like First is frustration with my own HR experience. Uh, I'm sure everyone has their fair share of this. Uh, I was accepted for a role that wasn't really a fit for me. And I felt that... The HR people, the HR officers didn't really care. Um, it, I was just more of like a requirement to get hired or a role to get filled and didn't really mind and manage the, the long-term growth. And uh, I came from marketing. So I wanted to so marketing as a role that touches like a lot of people, uh, but very in a very surface level. I went to HR because I wanted to go deeper with a smaller group of people, uh, try to see and help them with their long-term uh, professional and career developments. And so how did you end up with Kickstart? Well, prior to Kickstart, I was actually part of uh, LifeTrack Medical Systems, one of uh, the portfolio companies of Kickstart. Unfortunately, LifeTrack had to lay off a couple of people and I was presented with, well, with my boss then, Carl, uh, tried to share my profile with a lot of uh, organizations. And Kickstart specifically felt like an opportunity for me to be able to still be in that ecosystem of technology, of startups, of investors, but at the same time, touch more companies and not just be uh, in a specific industry. Uh, for for that time, it was health tech. So I felt that it had more potential and more opportunity for me to be able to scale my role up. So for everyone's context, uh, Jerome is actually Kickstart's very first dedicated HR person in our organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and the moment that we, shortly after we had decided, you know, the, the, the time has come for us to look for someone to fill this role. It was only shortly after that that Jerome actually reached out to us. So I feel like it was a very serendipitous uh, series of events for Jerome to have found us. 
So I guess very similar to our experience in Kickstart where, um, you know, you, you start out a business or, or any organization kind of informally, everything's very fluid. Um, and among the functions that you kind of start out with a business, HR isn't typically one of those functions you start out with. So mm -hmm. lots mm -hmm. of startups typically only formalize an HR function um, further down the road. Correct. So when do you think a startup should formally have a dedicated HR function? Well, as an HR person, ideally, I would have to say that like at the very start, you should have a dedicated HR person. But practically speaking, it should, like the function should be present when it's time for you to grow. So usually like if you're probably racing or if you've raced series A, uh, if you're in that growth stage, uh, you've managed to scale the business and now you have the capacity or you now have the funds to be able to uh, improve your technology, to get more salespeople, to fix processes. That's the ideal time to hire an HR, a dedicated HR person. That makes sense. I, I think one way maybe you can think about it is um, at the beginning, a startup is just figuring out if there's a feasible business there or not. Correct. Right? correct. So the focus is kind of just figuring that out more than anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's only at the point that they've established that there is a feasible business, something to build. Um, that's when you start building the organization. Yes. Right? And it's at that point that a formal people and culture function becomes critical. Is that fair? Yes, very fair. Um, because now it's proven, right? Uh, and you have the, the capacity, you have proof that it can actually work. And obviously... Uh, because of investments as well, because of investors, there is a lot more at stake for the startup. So there would be uh, management and uh, audit, so to speak, of how you do processes, of how you uh, have internal policies, if everything's in place. Uh, it, it, that stage of the startup shouldn't be as scrappy as you would have had it when you were just trying to find proof of business or like scaling up. So that's for me the more the most practical time to to get a dedicated people and culture person. So what are some of the things that you feel that founders should be looking for from their first or inaugural mm. HR function? Um what what is the value of, of human resources of people and culture in startups? Well, the first HR person or people in culture person to be hired in a startup should be very flexible and a generalist. You can't have someone who's like who has 10 years of experience, but only in a specific function because you will do everything, right? You will oversee everything. You will set up your like more organized payroll, more organized time, uh, time management. Uh, you will be mindful with regard to training and development, uh, even the like other rewards, not just uh, like the compensation, like salaries, but even with regard to employee stock options, so on and so forth. These things are very critical. And like a person who has good HR experience, but can easily adapt to what is needed, depending also on the industry, is very significant here. Uh, Obviously, recruitment is something that is 
very important uh, in in any scaling up organization in, in a growing startup because that's how you are able to in a way share the responsibility gain more traction and develop the business that's a good point that you have to look for someone with a broad range of experience in people and culture i mean admittedly it was fairly late in my my own career where i realized there were so many lines of specialization within hr mm. you know someone can as you said someone can be a 10 year veteran in in hr but have only been specialized in for example comp and ben mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um there are some hr professionals who are not necessarily uh very good at hr operations for example which there are a lot of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so in startups where everyone is wearing multiple hats, you have to have someone who can wear multiple HR hats Correct. In, in that role. Correct. Uh, in fact, like a lot of people classify HR into two major groups. It's people operations and talent operations, because in reality, these are two very different animals. So there are people, for example, like uh, business partners, usually are generalists and would be very attuned to people operations. But on the other hand, there's also a special kind of HR person who would be doing talent operations. Like There's a certain personality, there's a certain passion to it uh, with regard to like networking, really minding the process, being very uh, in tune with the candidates and trying to understand as well the the requirements of the business. So having that combination of people and talent operations sometimes is quite rare. Uh, And you would have to find someone who can wear multiple hats and perform depending on what you need uh, for you to scale up. I feel like it's a fairly recent development and maybe it's just because I'm, I haven't been in the HR people and culture space myself, but I feel like it's, it's only a recent development where, um, one, like long time HR professionals are recognizing that they have to be more generalist. They have to understand the business more and be in tune with mm-hmm. the business, mm-hmm. but also Seasoned professionals in other lines of expertise kind of realizing, you know what, I can actually make an impact as a people and culture guy. Right? I remember, for example, um, in, in my previous life at, at, at the OLX group, um, our first chief people officer was actually a lifetime marketing guy hmm. who was just very, very people oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like more and more professionals are finding that um, the people and culture function is such a multifaceted and critical function in businesses that you don't necessarily have to have a cookie cutter background Correct. to fill yeah. that role in, in, in businesses today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, it's, yeah, the, the role is consistently evolving or constantly evolving. I think with, with any role uh, in, in startups and with any role because of technology, because of um, new ideas, because of innovation. <clears throat> and you just have to have that like flexibility for you to be able to learn all these things and try to adapt them into your role and how your role could in a way be a differentiator despite all of these things. So just as 
the people and culture function in businesses today have kind of evolved. You know, businesses have constantly evolved and the kinds of people that they need in the rest of the organization have obviously evolved. And so hiring is is an ever challenging task for, for any startup. Right. As as you've as you mentioned earlier, right? Um the war for talent, I believe, <laughs> these days in the startup space has never been as as uh fierce. <laughs> yeah. Um like even within our own portfolio, <laughs> I think, you know, there like talent is 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 being fought over. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the talent searching strategies that you have found effective, you know, during your time hiring for a startup when you were with one, but maybe as well as any strategies you're seeing among your uh, people and culture peers, mm-hmm. um, like what, what's, what's effective these days? What, how, what, what does it take now um, for businesses to find the talent they need? Yeah. Well, first off, you have to have a talent strategy. It's not just you have, you, like there's a requirement, you need more salespeople. Let's hire more salespeople. We have to be a bit more mindful when it comes to mapping out all the roles that we need. So um, one of my, my favorite HR practitioners, uh, Armin Trost, uh, has this framework with regard to uh, trying to understand the strategic relevance of the role for the business and then the talent supply or the talent availability. So for example, in, in Kickstart Ventures, right? Almost all the roles are critical. So it's a bit challenging, but probably one of the most critical roles for us would be investing, right? So the investment professionals would be high in strategic relevance. And then in the Philippines, there are only a niche number of people right, who would be good in investments or would be like fresh graduates who are passionate about the venture capital space. Um, It's not as popular, admittedly, for example, like in in Singapore or in Hong Kong, where you would find a lot of uh, investment firms there. Only a handful of investment firms here in the Philippines. So that would be your priority hires, given that there's a low talent supply or uh, talent availability locally in the Philippines, and then it has high strategic relevance. So recommended there would be uh, help from executive search firms and targeted search. On the other hand, for example, like HR in, uh, in a venture capital firm would probably be not as strategically relevant as opposed to investments. Yes, it is still strategically relevant, but not toward not on the other side of the the spectrum right it's not super very very critical as long as you have a good hr person there and fortunately enough in the philippines like there's a, a high supply of hr people so you could do job postings or you could do referrals for this like being mindful of that identifying the strategic relevance of the role, the talent supply. And my personal take to it is you also have to add like the longevity or the duration of when uh, the employees or when the candidates can join and how long they will be able to join. So for me, there's also like understanding the motivation 
of the candidate. So aside from like your own talent strategy, you have to be very personal in trying to understand what are they looking for? Are they looking for experience? Are they looking for money? Or are they looking for purpose? Usually people who are looking for experience are a bit younger, like fresh grads, one to three years of experience. People who are looking for money uh, would have like some practical uh, concerns. For example, like people who have new families, just got married. And then people who have purpose or looking for purpose would be the more tenured ones who've established themselves in the space. And you have to also align your startup uh, and the growth plans and the talent that you will be getting because you have to, like, we can't hire everyone. Is like, you can't hire all A team players, right? Because we have to be practical. Uh, we can't just throw money around or else like we'll, we'll be crumbling or, or the business won't hold. So, Identifying critical roles first, and then like people probably who have purpose for the long term. And then, for example, like in, in a tech firm, you would just get a chief software developer or a chief architect. And that's your, your long-term person. And then doing the work of or expanding like the arms and the somewhat the brain as well of this chief architect would be software developers who could probably be fresh graduates who are just there for the experience. So yes, you'll ha have them for like two years, one year, three years, but at least like it will be moving and the continuity could come eventually when you have scaled the technology, when you have improved the technology. So admittedly, it's not just, oh, okay, like hiring is not just a requirement. There's a lot of thought really that you have to put into, especially if, like with the founders, right? They have to really be mindful and particular of strategic relevance, the talent supply, and the duration of how long would they want the talent or they will try to stretch the talent, uh, talent's tenure in the organization. So it seems to me that hiring for startups is a very, how do I put this? A sensitive operation, right? There's mm, there's a mm. bit more at stake when you're hiring for startups because again, the organization isn't as stable. It's mm -hmm. not as robust as a more mature and larger organization. Um, it won't as easily take on a bad hire. And so a bit more thought really has to go into, into hiring. Yes, ideally. Right, um, because you have to be mindful with your 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 talent strategy, your talent or recruitment strategy. But also, there's also a a different way or a different perspective here. It's hiring fast and firing fast, right? So some startups would probably have no time uh, to to create a strategy to create. Um, like a long-term plan or even like a succession plan on how to go about talent. So admittedly, some startups would have to go for the hire fast, fire fast route. And it's just part of the business and just trying to uh, cope with the needs of the market as the business grows. Yeah, I, I, I actually think that 
doing that is probably more humane in a way mm-hmm. that the sooner you determine a bad fit, the sooner you both move on. Right? It's in a way it's sad, but it's also better for both parties. Mm-hmm. Right? As opposed to maybe some organizations where if it's not so impactful, you know, we'll just grin and bear it. Yeah. But I guess the greater point is that in a, in a startup, in a small organization, and something that like we talk about a lot within Kickstart, whenever we're looking to add another person to the team, is that because our organizations are so small mm. um, and so young and, and a bit fluid, every addition makes an outsized impact, whether negative or positive. Correct. Yeah. So that it makes it even more critical that we you add the right people. <laughs> and another thing that we always talk about within Kickstart and, um, you know, I think is very applicable to startups is that it's not just about whether someone fits in, but it's also a matter of if someone has something to add to mm-hmm, the team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, well, obviously, culture really is, is a very critical part of, of hiring because it will definitely shake up, like hands down, it will shake up uh, if you have, it will shake up the culture if you have a, a new addition to the team. And having that like, non-typical teammate, like obviously there is an established culture in, in any organization. And then when you hire people in a way, either for the good or for the bad, like right, there would be a sort of disruption here. Uh, and diversity really is something that is quite significant to have in to put in mind or keep in mind when when hiring. And I can tell you about like you have to have like challenge ideas. You can have you should have like a wider perspective and represent the world better. Like fine, those are true. But I'd also like to add that as the world is ch- changing, as as the world is evolving. The culture that has helped an organization would not necessarily help the organization grow in the next five years or grow in the next 10 years. Like, fine, there is a basis, there is a foundation of the culture, but we need to get different perspective. We need to get different people for us to be able to grow the culture or in a way evolve the culture so that it will be future-proof and it can stand and withhold like time for five years, 10 years, 15 years. So it is very s- significant and it's a very sensitive uh, type of consideration that we have to put when, when hiring and when growing the team. Yeah, I think it's important to note that, you know, when you're hiring for diversity, you don't hire for diversity's sake. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm, you have to mm-hmm. be very mindful of I guess in a way, what kind of diversity are you adding to the team? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? You're not adding, for example, um, if you have a male-dominated team, you don't simply say, we need more women and look for women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but if you do hire a woman but thinks exactly the same way as all of the rest of your correct, team, correct. then you don't get any benefit from the diversity that you added to the team, right? Yeah. I think to to that point, um, if you're, for example, like you're trying to have a wider um, like 
group of people. And if you keep on finding, for example, like you keep on finding males for, for like a specific role, it's not that women are not good. It's just that the HR person hasn't looked well enough to find the women that are as good or even better. I think, to be quite frank, like per, per role, like males and females have an equal shot at it. It's just for the HR person or the, the people or the recruiter to be able to just extend the search a bit or try to um, widen his or her network a bit more for you to be able to identify the talent that would be well representative of the market. So what do you think are some unintentional biases that decision makers and hiring managers tend to have when they're hiring talent? Well, obviously, like people have have talked about like school bias um, and then like background bias. But I think I'd like to talk about uh, the bias with like how people speak and how you perceive their overall confidence. Uh, Usually, like if the person doesn't speak English well or if the person's thoughts are a bit jumbled or a a bit... um, not as smooth when it comes to flow, there's a possibility that that person is just a bit nervous, right? And I think it's the HR or the recruiter's responsibility to help the person be a bit more comfortable and convenient and to perform their best during the interview. Well, it depends also for for the role, right? So for example, if the role is sales, and if you need someone who can really speak well, who is confident with themselves, then that should be like your main criteria. But for example, if the role is very strategic or very analytic or would have to be uh, on Excel uh, probably most of the time, then the HR person or the recruiter should delve deeper into that. And try to remove, uh, and try to uh, remove the the nervousness or the anxiety of the person when speaking, and just see the skill because you're hiring for the skill, and not necessarily for the confidence for most of the roles, right? And, <laughs> Unless like, a role requires confidence. Correct. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Unless the role would really need you to speak well and to be confident with yourself. I agree. Yeah. So it's startups where things are, are fluid, as we've established. It's periods of growth, but also usually balanced with periods of negative growth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's a unfortunate reality that startups also have to deal with having to, as as people call it, reorganizing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what advice do you have for founders as as someone you know who has to be who is in a in a role where you have to be fairly hands-on with the process. <laughs> What's your advice to founders who have to who are facing that decision of having to let people go? Mm-hmm. Well, as someone who has laid off myself, being or getting laid off in a startup is actually quite normal, right? It, it's nothing out of the ordinary. 
the founder should be mindful of the process, obviously, um, and, and the background of why we need to lay off people. And best practice really would also be to communicate or of course, obviously not tell them like all the financials uh, when it comes to like how, how much runway do we have, but more of like how we do the day-to-day, right? Being mindful of, oh, okay, like guys, um, for engagement activities, we need to like be a bit more um, prudent when it comes to spending because uh, we're we have to like be more particular with the budget and how we're we're going to spend the next couple of months, right? We have to prioritize um, like the growth of the technology, or we have to prioritize uh, promotions or marketing. So definitely, it's something that is acceptable, uh, and like someone be getting laid off. But the manner or like the commu- over communication here is needed because you're a small organization and it not only helps the helps the organization uh, and it's it's uh and how it's perceived in the ecosystem but it also helps two other people like first the person who will get laid off because it it wasn't a surprise right people knew that we are in, in dire circumstances we need to be a bit more uh, mindful with how we spend and it'll also help the people who are left behind because you know that you will not be caught off guard and that management or founders will update you and will keep you in the know on how things are going and would ultimately have your best interest uh, at at their their heads, right? So, so there over communication definitely is needed. Um, and then eventually, uh, that framing of this is this needs to be done at this time. But who knows? Like it's for the organization and the people who will be there. But once, hopefully, like the the startup will will survive or will will be able to pivot. Then eventually, they'll be able to get uh, or hire more people again, and possibly even get the the talent that you had to lay off, uh, like prior months or prior years. I think we're in a unique position here in this conversation, as both, as you mentioned, you know, both of us have experienced this. Um, I personally had, I, I suppose, a unique experience of having experience being on either side. Within a matter of year, a few years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, definitely over communication is is key. Um, but I think over communication, in addition to clarity, correct. Right. It's not. This is not one of those times where saying I don't know <laughs> is is always going to be good. Yeah. Right. Um. I think for anyone who might be affected, you have to give them the clarity of what might happen to them, mm-hmm. even if the situation of the entire company is still uncertain. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I just I just needed to put that out there. No, fair point. Um, fair point. Yeah, I mean, we've over the past few years, you know, there was a brief period in 2021 when things were like going great for all for 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 a lot of startups, um, but in like the time before and the time after, like including 
the past several months. Mm. Um, we've seen a lot of a lot of startups um, locally and globally um, have to um, you know downsize, um, and we've definitely seen some organizations do it well. Mm-hmm. Right? There's there there is a way to do it well to do it humanely. It seems hard to frame it this way, but to do it positively. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I've seen some organizations do it in such a way that although people will feel bad that they are affected, that they walk away understanding the situation and feeling comfort that they were taken care of. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you were part of the startup and you were part of the, the, the team that grew the startup. So the startup also owes it to you to tell you how it's doing and what's needed for for the growth of the startup. Because obviously, you as an as an employee there, you've invested time and effort, and you were an, an owner of the startup. So you just need to be informed and to be aligned on how the startup is uh, is doing and what should be done for it to be able to to survive and even grow uh, maybe in the future. So there's no doubt that people and culture in startups is very challenging. Mm. Um, having that role and function is very challenging in a startup. Um, but it, it's also critical right again as a young organization much of your assets are your people Mm -hmm. you don't have much beyond that Mm -hmm. in kickstarter we say people make the difference Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um and more informally we say you know we invest in people we don't invest in startups because Mm -hmm. times may change business plans may change but ultimately the people who run the show um are the ones that we 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 stick with Um, and so people and culture as a function is, I feel, becoming more and more a first-class function in, in organizations today. So how do you see the, the people and culture function and role in organizations um, move forward? Mm-hmm. That's very interesting because we had a conversation um, with a couple of interns back. Right. So these are now fresh graduates or in a couple of months, fresh graduates. And we try to understand like what they're looking for in their next roles and what they're, they're mindful of. And for them, so yes, there's a certain, uh, like certain compensation, uh, threshold that you have to, to reach. Uh, and of course, like, uh, a bit of the, the purpose as well of the company, the values of the organization. But when they talk to people or when, when there's not just an, uh, a canned response in the email during their application process, when they actually knew that it was a person talking to them and responding to their emails, that actually made a difference. That actually made them consider that they're also being treated as human beings and not just like one of the hundreds and hundreds of CVs that companies usually receive. And especially that 
Like, yeah, you would have to understand that the next generations would be the students who had a lot of online classes and they're really yearning for this human interaction, this personal touch. So HR would definitely be a game changer when it comes to making the experience, uh, being mindful of their own career growth, making it as personal and tailor-fit as possible. Because we can't do just mass hiring. We can't do uh, mass programs for everyone's development, for everyone's uh, like career goals. It's, we should be mindful and we should really, in a way, care like an owner, as if we were uh, the ones being developed. So HR, even though there's a lot of uh, new technologies out there that could probably help HR um, when it comes to like the more technical things, but when it comes to the long-term relationship uh, building with employees, uh, being able to understand their personalities, their motivations, their, their drives, their goals, and also putting that personal touch would be the advantage of HR uh, and the significance of HR in the next couple of years. All right, Jerome, as one final question, um, something I ask all of our, our guests here uh, on Conversations. Um, you know, as a VC, we operate in the world of ideas and concept of, concepts of the future. So what's an idea or concept of the future that you've encountered recently um, that particularly excites you? I was not ready for that question. <laughs> I prepared for all the questions. So obviously AI has been the talk of the town, like specifically AI and HR, how it will be used in recruitment, how it will be used in uh, policy making, process making. But I think more than the technology, I'm more interested in how HR will react and adapt to it. Because if both ends are using, for example, like ChatGPT, right? If the applicant is using ChatGPT for them to fix and bulk up their, their profile, and then we're also using ChatGPT to look for profiles that are bulked up. So what will be the differentiator? Like, So how would we be able to read through the technology and really see the person as they are. So more on how the HR function will adapt to these new technologies, given that it will probably be used more and it will be one of the tools that we will be using day to day. Cool. Thank you very much, Jerome, for joining us here on Conversations Over Coffee. Thank you very much for the good work that you do for the team and increasingly the support that you're uh, providing to the portfolio. And we'll see you upstairs. And for everyone else, thank you very much and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Follow Kickstart Ventures on Facebook and LinkedIn to know who we're featuring next. 